All right, we hope that you were able to enjoy that worship set and are once again so glad that you've chosen to join us for our service today. Now today what we're doing is we're continuing part two of our new series, which has been entitled The Great Resignation. And we're talking about The Great Resignation because of the phenomena that's actually happening in our culture today, whereas after the pandemic and people have opportunity to return to work, we're finding a great shift in the things that people are choosing to do with their careers, their lives, and their time. And the reason behind that we're postulating has much to do with the need for kingdom definition and purposes in their lives. We've seen that people have uh, chosen to change careers, change jobs, and even move as they have the ability to work remotely, finding themselves more in the ether world rather than the face-to-face world. And with all of these things, we're going to unpack it a bit and understand what Jesus actually says will give us the sense of significant satisfaction and purpose that we're actually looking for in the great resignation by focusing on what he said about his kingdom. So today we're going to focus on this statement that we will fully submit to Jesus when we acknowledge his kingdom's worth and eternal value in our lives. That we will finally submit to Jesus when we acknowledge his kingdom's worth and eternal value in our lives. We're gonna look at three par- two parables uh, that he described his kingdom with to discuss this. We're gonna talk first about hidden treasures. Where do we find the hidden treasures that will ultimately give us a sense of accomplishment in life? that we've all been looking for. Secondly, we're going to talk about the great pearl, the pearl of great price that Jesus used as an analogy for his kingdom that actually shows us what will provide us with the satisfaction that we're looking for. And then finally, number three, we're gonna talk about kingdom nets. What actually happens in the midst of our pursuit of these things and making sure that we're ending up on the right side of eternity and heaven's judgments. And so before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us, that we might know you, understand you, and not only understand you, but understand the life as you've given it to us. And we might actually learn how to, by your word and by faith, trust you, knowing that as you are the great creator and designer, and really author of all of our lives. God, we pray that we'd align ourselves with you by your word and by your spirit, by faith, that we might come into all that you've called us to be and do. God, we thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about hidden treasures today. We're gonna start by reading all three parables, and then we're going to break down the great resignation that we've been experiencing in the context of the scriptures. So if you would turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 44. And again, this is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven, which will bring illumination to the great resignation culturally that we've been experiencing today. And he says this in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold 
all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw the bad away, threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so when we see that we are ultimately dealing with the great resignation in our present culture, why is it that there is such a cultural shift that's going on post-pandemic today? Well, what we talked about last week is the fact that people are ultimately coming to grips with what's most important in their lives. They are, after the pandemic, realizing that the nine to five jobs that they used to work just for a paycheck or the things that they gave the lion's share of their energy to in terms of a career, to have some sort of merit-based success approval in the eyes of family members, community members, and friends, or actually the efforts or the pursuits that they had weren't ultimately satisfying whenever they were faced with things like limitations and mortality. The pandemic brought to light the fact that all of us have limited time here on this earth that all of us have not only limited time, but limited opportunities to be able to become and do all the things that we were formed, created, and fashioned to do. And in this great resignation where people are leaving one set of jobs and going to another, moving from one locale to another, looking for a better, or at least a different quality of life, ultimately what people are looking for is a sense of worth and value in their lives. They're looking for worth and value. They're looking for that thing that will ultimately fulfill them, grant them satisfaction, significance, ultimately tell them that their life matters, ultimately tell them that the contributions that they're making to the world during their limited opportunities that they have here on planet Earth are ones that are going to be not only remembered, but have an impact on the world outside of themselves. That's really what the, at, what's at the heart of the great resignation. When you see articles written about it over and over again, and you hear people discussing even their plans or their changing locales or pursuits in life. And what we see is that Jesus understood that there was a great and basic human need that all individuals had. And it was directly connected to the plan of God as well as the design of God for people's lives. And he said ultimately over and over again that the way that you're going to ultimately find satisfaction, fulfillment, and a sense of significance in the world which he created you to inhabit would ultimately be when we submit to him and find ourselves in alignment with his rulership and lordship in our lives. Thus, when Jesus was talking about things of worth and value, he spoke about the kingdom of God. And to reiterate, the kingdom of God ultimately represents God's rulership in your life. 
And when you are properly aligned with God, according to his leadership in your life, according to how he says to live in your relationships, how he tells you to steward your time, your talent, and your resources, the things that he tells you to pursue, and the things that he tells you to refrain from. When you align yourself with God in these ways, ultimately, it allows you to find the things that are of greatest worth and of greatest, and not only greatest, but eternal value in your life. Things that will actually last. Things that will actually be, once you've put your life energy into them, things that will go on long after you expire physically. And things that will bring you great reward from the Creator, God Himself, when you stand before Him in judgment. And ultimately, these are the things that Jesus was talking about whenever He was speaking about His kingdom. And so we start with the hidden treasures. And again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like hidden, I'm sorry, treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so what Jesus is talking about first, about the very things that people are looking for, is that people are looking for things of worth in their life. What is me, what is worth me giving my time, my energy, my talent, my treasure to? What is worth giving my, um, my life to, in essence, in pursuit of these things? And Jesus says, ultimately, the answer to that is his kingdom, his eternal kingdom. But the nature of the kingdom is one that you have to understand is that it's hidden. It's hidden in plain sight, but it still remains hidden until his word makes it known to us. What do I mean by that? Well, I think that we all have a sense of the commands of God and the commands of God, which lead to life and life to the fullest, life abundantly. God's commands tell us how to interact with people on a social basis, on a societal basis, on a relational basis. He tells us to do things like live by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And innately, we all have an understanding of those things in our hearts. Why? Because even when someone has not acknowledged God, because God created them, according to Romans 2, God says that he left testimony of himself, of himself by writing his law upon people's hearts. And what that means is that people have a conscience, which is a written word or the law of God written upon their hearts, telling them the difference between right and wrong. And what is the best way to go in life? Loving God, honoring him and loving others as Christ has in fact loved us, knowing that it will lead to the best life that people are ultimately looking for. And it's hidden in plain sight because even when people don't give acknowledgement to God, they know those things to be true. That's why a lot of people say, you know what, whenever I, I'm not really a religious person and really I don't give myself to any one particular religion because of the fact that they all pretty much say the same thing. Have you ever heard that before? 
that really ultimately always ultimately lead to God? Because ultimately it's about following the golden rule and following things that we all common sense in a common sense fashion know to be right and true. Well, the reason for that is not because there's a truth that all roads lead to God. That is not true. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And the reason that he said that is because we have all sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. Meaning we've ultimately known what's right to do, chosen to do what's wrong anyway, and there is a price in the judgment that has to be paid for our wrongdoing. And it's only Jesus and his sinless life, his miracles showing his divinity, and his crucifixion, his death on the cross, in substitute for us, as a sacrifice, to pay for our wrongdoing and our sins, that enabled us to have the wrath of God averted for our wrongdoing from our lives and instead placed on him. But because he was innocent, three days later, God the Father raised him from the dead so that he might not only provide forgiveness of sins, but eternal life to those who would trust and follow him. Believe the good news of the gospel. So there's a common sense of morality because he's written his law in plain sight on our hearts. That hidden treasure saying this is the best way to live. But it's been hidden until Christ through his gospel makes it known and says, listen, ultimately, even your good works are like filthy rags before me. Don't think you can work yourself or work your way to me and make yourself right with me based on the good things that you've done in your lifetime. Because even your good works have oftentimes been selfishly motivated. Anybody remember applying for college and having to fill out a, an application or a resume? And you put all types of things on there that you had no interest in, all types of community service that you did, maybe begrudgingly, just to fill your resume and actually increase your rankings as a candidate for that particular university. They were good works which were selfishly motivated and therefore were like filthy rags before God. And God says, listen, I look at your motivation as well as your works, and ultimately the only sinless one was Jesus the Christ. And when anyone stands before him in judgment, ultimately the only reason that they're going to be able to be in friendship with God is because he's given them a righteousness that they haven't earned for themselves, but that Jesus gave them as a gift. That's why the Bible says it's by grace that you have been saved. And this through faith and this not of work so that no man or woman can boast. We've got to humbly submit to this hidden treasure, which is actually in plain sight. But it says that when the man found it, when a man actually found it, or in our case, when we were actually found by God, and let me tell you, regardless of where you're coming from today, you can be found by God when you respond to his gospel. That's the good news. You are here listening to this message today because God has his eye on you and is drawing you to repentance and faith that you might turn away from your sin, put your trust in him, and be found in him. And it says that when this man found this hidden treasure in the field, what did he do with it? 
He said he found it and covered it up, meaning he knew that it was something of worth. It was something that needed to be protected. It was something that needed to be stewarded. And what did he do? In his great joy, because that is what the kingdom of God brings. When God brings you into his life, it's life to the full and he comes with great joy. He says, he get, he, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He knows that ultimately the very thing that he was looking for in romantic relationships, the very thing that he was looking for in companionship, the very thing that he was looking for in a career or in a certain figure in your bank account, or quite frankly, a certain physical figure to give you some sort of value or worth in your life. He said, ultimately, I found it in the kingdom of God. I found my creator. I found what I've made for. I found what's actually worthy of my my time, my efforts, my talent in life, and I want to give myself to that. I don't want to spend my life on that which is ultimately going to burn up and dis uh, deteriorate. I'm going to sell everything that I have to get a hold of that kingdom. And let me tell you, that is what God's kingdom requires. He ultimately says, if you want the life, not only eternal life, but the life abundant that God has for you, it takes you being all in all your chips going onto the table and you ultimately saying, Jesus, you are the one calling the shots in my life now. You show me how to be a good husband. You show me how to be a good father. You show me how to be a good member of the community, both my church community and also the community at large. You show me what's valuable to pursue in the workplace. God says this is what his kingdom is like, but it's an all-in proposition. And this man learned that he had to sell everything that he had to buy that field. But it was a hidden treasure that was actually found in plain sight. It's the treasure that's made, being made available to you today. But it wasn't just described this kingdom as a hidden treasure. It was also described by Jesus as a great pearl. And Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. We're all looking of something of value in life, right? In the great resignation, what is going to ultimately give my life, my time, my career value? That's what people are switching around their jobs for. Well, the answer to that is, number one, you are created by God to be his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 actually says this, that when you're in Christ, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. And the significance and the value that you're actually looking for out of your job is really a greater sense of significance of what's really valuable in my life and what I'm spending myself on. And Jesus, again, is answering, it's found in his kingdom and you giving yourself to the things of his kingdom. And that's why he says this person, this merchant went in search of fine pearls, something of value, not only in his sight, but in other people's sight, things that he could exchange Life for life, time and um, uh, valuables for other valuables, right? That's the kingdom of God. He says, they went in search of these pearls and on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Meaning that there are a whole lot of other philosophies and ways or ways of doing things, things that you thought would have brought you value in life, things of, or ways of doing relationships ways of actually pursuing your career, 
Maybe saying it's an all-in proposition and I don't have time for family, I don't have time for church, I don't have time for friends because ultimately it's my career or bust. Or I might be a student right now and I've got these four years to study in undergrad and I don't have time for anything else right now except my studies because I'm trying to get someplace. Or maybe I'm in my graduate studies and I don't have time for any of those things because I'm trying to get someplace. But what place are you trying to get to? Ultimately, if it's outside of the design of God, it's going to lead to the frustration, the discontent, and the lack of fulfillment that ultimately you've been living in, causing things like the great resignation in society as a whole. But if you do things God's way and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear, because all these things will be added to you as well. God, your heavenly Father, knows that you have needs of, need of these things, and he wants to give them to you. But when you do things his way, he wants to show you the pearl of great price. But again, it's the same thing. When you find that pearl of great price, what did the man who was looking for the... Um, for the fine pearls do. It said he went and sold all that he had and bought it. I'm even going to sell all my worldly philosophies of what is important in life and trade it in for what God says is important in my life. How God wants to order my life. I'm going to sell those things so that I might get a hold of God, his word, and his insights and commands. And when I do, he brings me not only into the hidden treasure, not only to the great pearl, but he also brings me into a great kingdom net. A great kingdom net. But here's the tricky part. In the kingdom net, you have two types of people. You have those that think they have the kingdom values of God and are doing things right before God or are at peace with God, but they're living a double life that we sort of mentioned last week having one foot in the world and one foot out of it, saying, I can still live in my sexual immorality, but I'm going to do good works at the same time and God should approve of me. Or I'm going to um, still commit adultery, but you know, I'm going to give my tithe to the church and so God will overlook my sin. Living some sort of double life. And what you find is people who are like that in the net or the kingdom net, the church world that you find yourself surrounded by, and those who are Otherwise, a second group who are just sincere and saying, God, I'm, I've sold everything. I'm about your hidden treasure and your pearl, and I want nothing but you. And God says in that net, ultimately, that net's going to be pulled in, and he's going to make a distinction between the two. Now, when he does, this is what he says it's going to look like. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full... Men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into the containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so ultimately, this is another reference to hell that Jesus the great preacher spoke about very plainly. He said that there is eternal life to come for the righteous, but there is also eternal death or the second death to come for those who resist God's commands and his ways. Jesus is making a distinction between the evil and those who do good, meaning those who obey his commands are good, those who choose to go their own way, still trying to find worth and value in things outside of what God has prescribed as good for relationships, career, life, and pursuits as bad. 
That's what he said. And really, ultimately, the kingdom needs to be understood that way because it's not just about giving you your best life now. Understand me clearly. What we're not talking about in this sermon series is you ultimately finding your best life now. What we're ultimately talking about is you finding yourself in the purposes and the plan of God, which as a result will give you life to the full that he promises you. But how do we do that? How do we make sure that when we're in this kingdom net, we're not people who will ultimately be burned and find ourselves in with, in weeping, with weeping and gnashing of teeth? See, this isn't just like a hellfire and brimstone message, but it is the truth that Jesus preached. How do we make sure that we're not of that group when we're in a common net with others who think that they found the hidden treasure and the pearl? Well, Jesus made it a bit more plain when earlier in his ministry, there was a great sermon that he preached called the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you are familiar with it. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was describing basically how to make a distinction between living wholeheartedly, selling all that you have for his kingdom and his purposes of great worth and eternal value and then living a double life, which will ultimately lead to weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was speaking about that. He was giving us an example of what it's going to look like whenever we choose to love him and follow him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. And this is how he described it in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, verse chapter 7, verse 13. Enter, meaning enter his kingdom, enter his life, enter his purposes by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few so jesus ultimately is saying hey listen when things seem easy and that everyone else is doing it you're being carried along by the tide of life and ultimately everyone else is going in the same direction in their convictions their values the things that they ascribe to even to be true not based on any spiritual or scientific evidence but they're just basically saying these things are true because the collective populace is screaming and agreeing that these things are true he's saying that is the wide gate and the easy road that many enter through but it leads to destruction but narrow is the gate and hard is the road he actually uses the word hard Hard is the road that leads to eternal life and few find it. So if there's a in that net a distinction between those who are going the, through the wide gate and those who are going through the narrow road, I want to be on the narrow road. I want to be those who are not of those who are not deceived, but those who are doing things according to God's commands. And Jesus said ultimately, this is what it's going to look like. Beware in that net of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Again, where Jesus said there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So just because somebody's calling themselves a religious, just because they're in a religious community, doesn't mean they're right with God. He says in the great resignation, the ambition that we should have is to reorder our lives around God and his purposes that we might be right with him. Not just have a satisfaction and a peace in our own soul, but right and have a peace with God. Because ultimately he says, not everyone, verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then immediately following that, Jesus talks about building our lives on the rock of his word. And so ultimately, when we find ourselves in that net, the great resignation ultimately needs to be about no longer deceiving ourselves, no longer allowing our worlds to be ordered and shaped by the culture around us, telling us what's valuable, what's of worth, and what's of importance, but letting God define that for us by his word. And ultimately, we need to cling to him as Lord and actually say, God, whatever you say is good, I'm giving myself to those things. Whatever you say is wicked, I am rejecting those things as found in your word. God, I am choosing to order my life, my priorities, my resources, my time, and everything about me around that hidden treasure that you're showing me, which is your kingdom. That pearl of great price, which is your kingdom. Because ultimately, God, I don't want to be a part of that number who called you, Lord, off of my lips, but did not order my life according to your work. And therefore, I did not obey your commands. And when I face you in judgment, you're going to have to say, you may have known about me, but I never knew you. Ultimately, this great resignation needs to be to bring us to a place where God knows our name. Not only does he know our name, but he knows our days. He's ordered our days and ultimately will bring us into that which he created us to be and do. And so today, that is the call for every person watching. That you would order your life according to God's kingdom rulership in your life. Knowing that there's a hidden treasure in plain sight that's been beckoning you. That there's a pearl of great price that he's showing you through his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And ultimately, there's a purpose that's found for you in the company of other believers. But you don't want to be one of the deceived thinking that you can have a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom. He says it's an all-in proposition. And today, if there's any sin that you're holding on to, today is the day to let it go that you might actually have room to carry that treasure, room to carry that pearl, and ultimately order your lives around him. And so today, if you find yourself as a Christian saying, I've had this really, this, this epiphany where I need to reorder my life. And it's not just about my job, but it's about the things that I've prioritized in my life. I've had other gods above and before Jesus, but now I want to make sure that I'm giving him my all. 
If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters who are watching today. And God, I pray that you would help them to see and to know the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. That God, they would no longer be those who are like the false prophets who say one thing off of their lips but live another way. But instead, they would order their time, their pursuits, their resources, and all of their talents around giving you God glory. And ultimately finding the life that is truly life only found in your son. God, may you liberate them, liberate them from the other voices. May they sell all the other things that have come to try to define them and give them value and worth in their life. Whether it be their size, their, their shape, their figures, their, 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 their bank accounts, anything else other than you. And God, may they rest in the righteousness that you alone provide through your death, burial, and resurrection. Give them power today to reorder their lives. They're in their hearts, their minds, and their actions. In Jesus' name, amen. And for anyone who said, you know what? I've tried life on my own, and I've lived in sin, and it's led to nothing but brokenness, death, and destruction. And I know if I were to stand before God today that I would deserve death and hell. But I don't want it, and I see what God's offering me by his word today. And if you want to get right with God, would you pray this final prayer with me? Almighty God, I thank you that you have been true and faithful to seek me, even when I wasn't looking for you. And God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner, that I've lived in my own wisdom and my own ambitions, and it's led to nothing but rebellion, death, and ultimately, I deserve hell before you. But I don't want it. And I believe that you sent Jesus, your son, to live the perfect life that I should have lived. And on that cross died this substitutionary, sacrificial death that I should have died. But because he was innocent, three days later, you raised him from the dead. So I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. God, would you make me a new creation today? I see that pearl. I see that hidden treasure. And I'm asking you to remake me in your image as I proclaim Jesus, my Lord. Thank you for your love for me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ. And for the rest of us, let's go back into worship, honoring the one who's shown us both that hidden treasure and pearl, ordering our lives around him from this point forward with great joy as he gives it to us. If any of you need prayer, there are prayer counselors for you right here and now who want to stand with you. God bless you, and I'll see you in a moment.